0: It's a mailbag edition of Locked On Cougars. Answering your questions, you send in via social media. We'll get to all of those ahead on today's show. We also got to talk about a new head man for the BYU baseball program. A familiar name to any of you paying attention to the bat this season. Obviously, a uh, guy that is going to replace Mike Littlewood has a lot of big shoes to fill. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about a new prospect for the BYU basketball program that has emerged on the recruiting scene. Could be uh, compatriots with Foose Traore in more ways than one. We got all that and more on today's edition of Locked On Cougars. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in my day job, working with DJ and PK in the morning as their executive producer, but more importantly, I am your daily host here on Locked On Cougars, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, also available on YouTube. I'm going to point right down here to this right corner early on in today's show. Hit that subscribe button, leave us comments, uh, like the show, enable notifications, do all that stuff that helps us build this audience. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where of course the motto is your team every day, and as such, we are your only team daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. The goal here simply stated is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room and let's get right to it on today's show. Got some questions that came in via social media. I wanted to get to them so let's get to them right away. They deal with BYU football mainly. Let's start off with the GFOP Nick Chadwick. He of course weighs in all the time and Nick I cannot thank you enough for your support of the podcast. He says this. Uh, the question comes in. What away games are you most excited for this coming football season? I am taking my 9 year old to Autzen State stadium. And I'm super pumped to see top-end facilities. Also, how many tickets do you think BYU will be allotted for the Notre Dame game? Looking at ticket prices right now and it is stupid expensive. Well, Nick, everything's stupid expensive right now. Let's be real, inflation is a real thing, but On the Notre Dame front, I have heard all the rumors that you all have had. I've heard that Notre Dame's got 75% of the allotment. BYU's only getting 25%. I've heard it's a 66% to 33% split. I don't necessarily know exactly how it's going to be delineated. The the weird thing about this is the fact that they have not not announced how tickets are going to be purchased. There are people, I think, uh, putting them out there thinking that they are going to have tickets available. But I have not seen an official announcement from either Notre Dame or BYU about that Shamrock Series game at Elite. Stadium. I don't know what the holdup is, but I am hopeful at some point in the relatively near future we'll have an answer on that because, man, it's a big waiting game right now, and it's just crazy to look at and think, okay, what is the holdup here? We need to get some tickets into B- BYU fans and Notre Dame fans' hands. It's going to be a hot ticket. There's no doubt about that. So I'm hopeful it's more closer to a 50-50 split, but knowing that this is a Shamrock Series game, which kind of gives the rights to Notre Dame, which I know BYU fans gets your goat uh, to think that Notre Dame Owns this quote-unquote home game for BYU. They're playing it in Las Vegas, but they ha- they have the rights to it. It's obviously going to rub some people the wrong way, and I am afraid it's probably going to be more, I would guess, of the two-thirds to one-third in terms of the allotment Notre Dame to BYU fans, but as soon as they are available, get on it. That's going to be a very, very hot ticket. Now, Nick, your other question is, what away games are you most excited for? I think that Oregon game is the one I have pegged on my list. I think Autzen is a fantastic place to be. I have been to the football facilities of the University of Oregon just to check them out. I went there, uh, funny enough, when my wife was playing softball for BYU. They played in a region up there in Eugene. Had a chance to go around and explore the campus. Went over to the football facilities and they are absolutely immaculate. There are NFL teams who I think would like to have what the University of Nike I mean, University of Oregon has uh, in terms of their facilities, but they got a lot of nice things. Autzen is one of the loudest stadiums to play at when it is full. I am fully expecting it's going to be a beehive when BYU shows up there. The other away game, it's Notre Dame. going. I know it's a neutral site game technically, but going to Las Vegas, BYU's southern home away from home, that's going to be a fan Fantastic environment in its own right, and that should be a fun one. And the final one, if you want a sneaky... uh fun game that you can get tickets for not much because nobody shows up to these games, Stanford. I have been to Stanford stadium. I actually watched Oregon and Stanford play way back when Andrew Luck was playing against Michael James. And it was just, a, it, that was a crazy ticket. because That stadium was actually close to sold out when I went, but now you can go and just kind of pick your seat at Stanford stadium. That's the Thanksgiving weekend. I know that people have family plans, but if you want an away game, that may be a sneaky, fun one in terms of your ability to just kind of stretch out, enjoy a game in some decent weather when it might be bad weather here along the Wasatch front. Stanford might be that game so hopefully that answers your questions Nick but keep an eye out those Notre Dame tickets if you can get a hold of, your, of any of them and sell them you can probably make a pretty hefty markup uh, for yourself now our next question comes in from our good friend Chris Murphy another GFOP he is at C Murphy Pro on Twitter it says last year against Utah the BYU defense played aggressive uh, getting pressure on the QB with blitzes and stunts as the year went on they became more conservative due to injuries I assume this year will we see more of the aggressive BYU defense or more of that conservative conservative conservative-type attack. Now, Chris, you are right. The injuries did uh, do BYU in, especially the ones to Keenan Peely, Chaz Ayou, and Peyton Wilgar. That linebacking core, when it got decimated with its front line guys, it really hurt BYU. The other thing about this is, in most people's minds, those injuries should not have absolutely crippled BYU's defense the way they did. The the issue at hand is the defensive line. If BYU's defensive line does not show marked improvement in 2022 this year, BYU's defense is going to have to play more of that conservative-style defense, and that's going to lead BYU's offense, which I think could be a top-10 all-time BYU offense. It's really that good, folks. They've got all of the talent in the world on the offensive side of the football if all the pieces come together there. That offense could be forced to play in some track meets. They'd have to outscore people if the defense cannot get some pressure, force some turnovers, get some stops. You need to see the defensive line in particular step up here. We have heard all the stuff about them. They spent time in the weight room. They've they've gained weight. They've improved it during spring ball. Guess what? We'll see if all the hubbub and the... Talk is real. They have to get on the field and prove it. Uh, I have talked a lot about this defensive line. I am hopeful they can show that improvement. I would love to see a guy like Tyler Batty get an opportunity to get double-digit sacks. Give him enough reps. I think he's capable of doing that. But will be you stick him in a three-man alignment where he's asked to two-gap and play run defense versus playing as a true defensive end coming off the edges of wide nine technique and getting after the quarterback? Scheme, uh, philosophy, All of that goes into how they're going to attack things. I am hopeful we will see more of that aggressive attacking defense we saw against Utah and Arizona State early on last season that really helped BYU win that game. Now, there will be obviously people out there that say that, well, BYU did the drop eight versus Virginia and they won that game. Okay, it worked in that instance but there are for every Virginia there is a Utah or an Arizona State or an Arizona out there that if BYU did not be more aggressive on defense, they may have found themselves in big trouble in those games. So... I don't think there's necessarily a perfect recipe and I know that I'm probably sounding like an apologist for BYU's defense in terms of getting them the success that they want to have on the football field but unless they get better at stopping teams, this offense is going to have an unfair burden placed upon it and they've got to overcome that. The defense has to hold up its end of the bargain, especially along that defensive line. So Chris, I'm hopeful we see the aggressive attacking defense we saw early on last season. That is the defense i have dreamed about since kalani satake came to byu that's what i have wanted to see i am hopeful we get to see it for a full season uh man-to-man coverage on the corners that type of stuff i want to see all of that give me all of that attacking blitzing style of defense if it means giving up a big play here or there do it enough with the conservative Play calling. Get after it. Go get that quarterback. Make them feel the pressure. Make them think twice before they really settle into that pocket. No more of this A quarterback going against BYU and going 22 of 24 like the Wisconsin quarterback did way back in 2017. That's garbage. Get that out of here. Get after the quarterback. Make them feel you. That's what I want to see from BYU's defense. that answer your question? Hopefully it did. All right, one other one I want to get to here. Uh, comes in from Timothy Osborne. And Timothy, I really appreciate this comment because it's something I have overlooked and I have actually debated myself. Yeah, this comes in via YouTube. Timothy weighs in saying, I love your show and the top players of the independent era, but sadly, I think you're missing some of the very great players that didn't play in the trenches, play wide receiver, quarterback, etc. cetera. I am meaning players whose I- impacts were such that impacts were made of a different kind. He says, I think you're missing many from the special teams. He mentions Alan Boardman, by, uh, for an example. He says, he was a spectacular punter for BYU, changed the course of many of the games he played in. He could have been drafted, but told teams he wasn't interested in playing on Sundays. I didn't know that part of the conversation with Alan Boardman. I know about Eli Herring, because I know Eli Herring personally. He uh, obviously famously declined to play in the NFL because of playing on Sundays. But he adds that Alan Boardman is now a PhD in material science. Let's hear about players like Alan also. And Timothy, that is a fantastic Fantastic insight. And I appreciate that because guys like Matt Payne, Alan Boardman, uh, the Pochman brothers, I uh, think of James die. Uh, you punt, you die. When your nickname is you punt, you die. Like that's the saying for BYU fans in the mid 1990s. You're a legend. And the special teams component doesn't get the love. I agree that it should get, uh, I don't know necessarily where I would put a guy like Alan, Board maybe, Alan Boardman maybe in the top 50 players. Maybe I needed to create a, a separate category of the greatest special teamers in BYU football history. Lee Thunderfoot Johnson, obviously, now working the BYU athletic department, spent 20 plus years in the NFL after a standout career barefoot punting uh, for BYU in the mid, uh, not the mid, early 1980s. So there are a lot of great special teamers in BYU football history that I probably have overlooked. And Timothy, I appreciate your comment. And that's actually a nice segue into who our highlighted player is today. And unfortunately for you, Timothy, I'm going back to the offensive line. So don't hate me for saying that, but I will do more and give more love to the special teamers... ...because you're right. They do need some love because they impact the game in a very unique way. There's no doubt about that. There's a third component of football that is the special teams, and if it's not working... Things go crazy. So obviously, I probably need to do a little bit better job at acknowledging special teamers and appreciate you weighing in. But today, our highlighted player in the Top 50 Player Countdown goes back to a famous last name for any of you who pay attention to football locally, and that is Oren Olsen. That last name may sound familiar because he is, of course, the uncle of Hans Olsen, who I work with at, on a day-to-day basis at the Zone Sports Network. He is also the younger brother of NFL Hall of Famer Merlin and obviously NFL standout Phil Olsen. Both of them played for Utah State. Oren really kind of broke away from family uh, legacy going to BYU. He actually went to Orem High School before going to BYU. Ended up as an all-conference player for two years for the Cougars in the early years of the Lavelle Edwards ter- era. I think he was it was in 1975 is when he graduated. So it was the very earliest days of the Lavelle Edwards area, but Orrin Olsen, an easy selection here. He was drafted by the Kansas city chiefs in the eighth round of the 1976 NFL draft. His brothers, Merlin and Phil were still playing in the NFL at that point, giving B, uh, giving those three, a unique distinction of having three brothers playing in the NFL at the same time. It doesn't happen very often. And it hasn't happened very often ever in BYU history. So, uh, so really cool stuff. Orrin Olsen, a standout player for BYU. And you want to uh, think about offensive line. You're probably thinking like, well, Orrin Olson's probably like a mountain of a man. Six foot five, 300 pounds. Orrin Olsen listed, and this is his listed uh, height and weight at BYU. He was a center for the Cougars, an all-conference center, a fantastic player by all accounts. Six foot one. 245 pounds. That should show you, like, in 50-some-odd years, how different football has become. Hans, is, uh, Hans Olsen, his nephew, who I have known, obviously, was a standout for BYU in the late 1990s and early 2000s, went on to play in the NFL for a little bit a while himself. Hans stands, I think, 6'4", 6'5", and he's all of 300 pounds, and it's not fat. Hans is about as fit a human being as there is out there. So I I really think that Oren Olsen is on this list, and Hans, I, I've talked to him about this, Orrin Olsen picking BYU actually helped Hands eventually when it came time for him uh, being recruited to pick the Cougars because had Oren not kind of broken away from the family legacy of going to Utah State and being a standout for the Aggies, Hands probably doesn't even consider BYU. And hey. The rest is history. So Orrin Olsen, another uh, member of our Top 50 Player Countdown. This is from the non-independent era, the all-timers, as we're calling them. So appreciate, uh, Timothy, you weighing in. And Like I said, I'll do better to involve the special teamers, but I just don't know where you can quantify putting them into these Top 50 players. And that just may be my bias in this circumstance. But coming up next, we're going to talk about two uh, things we need to get to. A a new prospect for the BYU football program. we also got to talk about a new head man for the BYU baseball program, a very familiar name for any of you who paid attention to the BYU baseball program this past season. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. First, though, a word on our friends over at BetOnline. They are your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information needs. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup in the NBA with the NBA Finals. The NHL Hockey Conference Finals, the Stanley Cup is on deck soon enough as well. Major League Baseball and of course all the latest fight news from MMA to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information including live betting, esports and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you now. It's all courtesy of your friends at BetOnline where the game starts. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. A reminder for you guys that the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft will be starting June 16th. Over 50 insiders will be covering this. Nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus Odyssey Insiders will be covering it for you guys. The first pick comes in June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft wherever you get your podcast and follow it now so you don't miss a pick. Once again, thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen. We're, of course, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And as I mentioned, if you don't mind uh, doing so, please leave us a rating and review, especially out there on Apple Podcasts. I know Spotify recently has added a comment section. So thank you for your support in that uh, part of the the things. The funny thing about these these algorithms that these podcast providers use, if you interact with the show, it helps us be found by more folks. I I know it seems so trivial, but I cannot thank you guys enough for doing that. All right, time to talk a little BYU basketball for a moment here. And the name you probably should get used to is the name of Yusuf Singare. And hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. He is a native of uh, Mali, the same country that Fush Triori comes from. I don't know how uh, close these two are, but Yusuf Singare is a big man, 7 feet tall, but listed at 185 pounds. He plays uh, currently for the Upper Room Christian School in Huntington Station, New York. He is a member of the Class of 2023, so he would be a guy that BYU would be lucky to land. His offer list is a, a pretty eclectic one from back east. Seton Hall and St. John's from the Big East. Pepperdine, uh, is in the mix as well as well as Coastal Carolina Uh, but man 7 feet 185 pounds he's also apparently spent some time in his prep days in Scottsdale Arizona so he's not wholly unfamiliar with the western United States but if BYU is serious about a young man like this I looked up his film and he has got some tools Uh, this is a guy you cannot teach his height and length 7 footers don't grow on trees folks we all know that I barely stand 6 feet and I feel like man uh, if I could have gotten to like 6'3 or 6'4 I could really be something well D he gets seven feet, that's a very rare thing. And he may be six foot 11. Let's let's be honest with that. But uh, watching some of his highlights, this is a kid who has got very nice skills. And he strikes me as a guy, similar to a Tiki Ali, a Tiki, where he would come in and be maybe a little more of a project that BYU would have to develop. The 185 pounds is a concern, just uh, being that thin at the height he plays at 7 feet 185 pounds who do you think you are Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga and I'm not saying that uh, Yusuf is anywhere close to Chet Holmgren's status because Chet Holmgren could be the number one overall pick by the way Locked on NBA draft, that ultimate mock draft. Find out where Chet Holmgren's going, so check that out, but another plug for that. But Yusuf I think has a skill set that BYU could use. Would that mean that BYU takes on a guy uh, similar to AAA and Atiki Ali Atiki where you need to spend a year or so developing him? Yeah, probably. But I think all of us saw what Atiki Ali Atiki did for BYU throughout the first season he played in a Cougar uniform. Who out there doesn't think that Atiki Ali Atiki could end up being a more than capable, starting big man for BYU uh, it might happen as soon as this season he may be forced to, uh, to do that early on this season but the hope is if got a guy like Yusuf Singare if he decides that BYU is where he wants to be that is actually I think a great pickup for the Cougars there are obviously the rumors out there about Kim Aiken uh, the transfer from Arizona I'm hearing that BYU is still working on him I, I don't know exactly what the status is but they are hoping to get Kim Aiken enrolled that guy right there speaking of Kim Aiken the more I read up on him watch film of him He is a three and D guy. The BYU is crave can play anywhere from the one to the four or or guard those positions. Got great size. It's six foot six, six foot seven. I think if you were able to land Yusuf Singare as a big man, a seven footer, and then also add Kim Aiken as a grad transfer into the BYU basketball program, I think suddenly that roster for BYU basketball looks a lot better than many of us maybe thought it might have been just what a month or so ago. So there are some good things happening for BYU basketball, and hopefully uh, Yusuf Singare. Besides the BYU's where he wants to be, and Foos Traore, being a countryman of his uh, from Mali, needs to get in that young man's ear, get in touch with him and say, hey, this is what BYU is all about. Uh, this, I think, would be a fantastic pickup for the Cougars, but when you got St. John's and Seton Hall in the mix, those are some Big East programs that are going to be uh, chomping at the bit to get a guy like that, so... Mark Pope will be up against it, but I can tell you one thing I know about Mark Pope. He is not afraid to get his hands dirty when it comes to getting in there and getting after it. I don't mean he's going to uh, play with funny money and all that stuff. Uh, I'm just saying he's a guy who's going to fight tooth and nail for a guy he believes in. And if BYU offered a guy like Yusuf Singare, I think you can take it to the bank that BYU really likes him. Uh, one other thing real quick on a related note on the basketball front. Just an interesting quirk. I saw this earlier this week that John Ross, seeing the CBS Sports College Basketball Insider, uh, he tweeted out that BYU-Hawaii, yes, the sister school to Brigham Young University here in Utah is going to host a Division I non-conference men's basketball tournament or a multi-team event during Thanksgiving weekend this coming weekend in Laie. It's going to be called the North Shore Classic. Uh, BYU will not be participating in this as they will be uh, participating that very same weekend at the Battle for Atlantis in uh, the Bahamas. But I think this is a really cool thing. Uh, of course, BYU Hawaii did away with their Division II sports, uh, oh, oh, was it five years ago now, in 2017? I think it was that long ago, crazily enough. But I think this is a really cool thing. The University of Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors, will be taking part in this. And I think BYU could be a candidate to play in this in future seasons. I think this would actually be a, a, a de facto home game for BYU if they're playing there on the North Shore. We all know about the connection to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with BYU-Hawaii and BYU being sister schools. Uh, There's just so many connections here. It may take a few years for BYU to play in this if it survives that long, but a cool dynamic is BYU-Hawaii, they have the facilities, might as well get some Division I programs there and bring some pub to Laie, Hawaii. The North Shore, Haleiwa, Hawaii, On a personal note, is a place, if I had anywhere in the world I could pick to live, I'd probably set up shop on Haleiwa on that coast on the North Shore and call it good for the rest of my life. I absolutely adore that part of the world. So, man, I'm hopeful BYU plays in that or a local school that I can go cover you know, I get. I need to go to Hawaii on Thanksgiving weekend. Sorry, boss, I gotta go. That's what I hope for. But a really cool thing I just wanted to pass that along to you, something to keep an eye on, the North Shore Classic happening Thanksgiving weekend on the campus of BYU-Hawaii there in La'ie, Hawaii. All right, coming up here in just a moment, let's talk some BYU baseball. Uh, Trent Pratt takes over from Mike Littlewood. We'll get to all that here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends at Intercap Lending, and there's a reason that no lender in the state of Utah helps more families here than Intercap Lending. And simply put, the reason, the Intercap gate they get the deals done for you guys. They feature a quick and simple process. They are closing loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And although fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process for you, the consumer. I talked a little bit earlier about inflation. We all know the interest rates are on the rise. If you want to take advantage of rates, which are still somewhat low uh, comparative to what they might end up being here in the relatively near future, get with Intercap Lending right now. And they have a personal loan officer, Steve Carter, who helps all of our Locked On listeners. He'd love nothing more than to help shepherd you through this business, he has helped David Locke uh, who, through this process. I think two different times. And let's be real: if he can get David Locke through this process, he can help anybody. And I, I don't mean that it is a dig against David. He is a great human being. It's just he's a little scatterbrained at times. Uh, obviously, he's also helped Carl Weinstein, our uh, COO, he, our C. E-O-C-O-O here at the Locked On Podcast Network. They have helped hundreds of Locked On Podcast listeners regardless over the years. They've been doing this since 2018. Uh, Steve would love nothing more than to earn your business. The best part is uh, Intercap Lending has got 44 years of experience behind them. They have been helping Locked On Podcast listeners, like I said, for the last five years, and they love nothing more than to earn your business as well. The best part is even if you live outside the state of Utah, they can help you out as well. They're licensed to help in more than 40 states nationwide. So reach out to Steve with any and all questions you've got. His Direct line, 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. I can promise you that. Once again, his direct line, 385-800-8528. Or email us, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Be happy to set up a a meeting with you and Steve Carter. And the best part is, if you mention that you're a Locked On Cougars listener, you get their corporate discount. Yes, saving you some money along the way as well. So reach out to Steve now, 385-800-8528. 8528 or go to intercaplending.com to learn more. That's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. All right. Before we go on today's show, let's talk a little BYU baseball. They've removed the interim tag from interim head coach Trent Pratt, and he's officially the Cougars' new head baseball coach. He's the 14th coach in BYU baseball history. Uh, The quote from the release from BYU said, "quote I feel really excited and blessed for this opportunity. I am grateful to Tom Homo, President Worthen, and BYU for their trust in me. I'm ready to get to work, and I'm looking forward to big things ahead for BYU baseball." He will, of course, be the coach leading BYU into the Big 12 Conference in 2023. He had a 16-9 overall record as the interim head coach after Mike Littlewood's departure midseason. Uh, there has been mums the word on Mike Littlewood's departure, so I apologize. I don't have anything more for you guys on that front, but I think this is a fantastic, fantastic promotion for Trent Pratt. Trent has been working with Mike Littlewood for over a decade and a half now, if I'm not mistaken, so he knows how Mike Littlewood is going about building this program, and he'll just carry on doing his thing. Of course, he'll probably have his own little twists and unique things he'll do with it. Brent Herring, who is obviously uh, a key component as well. will stick around on the staff, I would assume, as well. There is a big opportunity here for BYU Baseball to really just continue to build on what they've already done. So I think this is a fantastic hire and wishing Coach Pratt nothing but the best moving forward. Of course, uh, big things come with going into the Big 12, which has got an elite baseball uh, history. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma alive in the College World Series, but I, I think the fun part is uh, Pratt, having worked for Mike Littlewood from 2006 to 2022 beginning at Dixie State, and obviously making the transition to BYU in 2012. He knows what he's doing. and I look forward to this. This is a guy who I think is poised to really do some fun things for BYU and looking forward to seeing him lead the Cougars into the Big 12. Now, one final thing before we go on today's show that I forgot to touch on yesterday because it started yesterday. That is the NCAA Men's and Women's Track and Field National Championships. They're up at Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon. And if you have not seen the new facilities for Hayward Field, holy smokes, they have got like a specific... uh, uh, parts of the stadium. that are dedicated to every track and field discipline. Oregon, man, they are spending money on track, and the best part is you have 22 BYU athletes competing in these championships this week. So it's a big opportunity for BYU. I've got something in my ear here, so give me a second here to fix that. But they have got 22 athletes, speaking of the Cougars, participating in the track and field championships, which started yesterday. Let me acknowledge that on Wednesday, but it'll be continuing through Saturday. Let's run down the athletes who are competing. On the men's side of things, Dellen Vorkink, Zach McWhorter, uh, Dellen Vorkink He's in the decathlon. Zach McWhorter is number two in the nation, by the way, in the pole vault. Caleb Whitskin uh, from Pole Vault. He is number 9, I think, in the country. Garrett Marsing in the 3,000-meter steeplechase. Kenneth Rooks, 3,000-meter steeplechase. Michael Whitaker, a, a, a freshman actually competing in Javelin. Sebastian Fernandez, 800 meters. Sebastian Fernandez wasn't a member of the BYU Track and Field program, folks, until just two months ago. He ran unattached at a meet. Uh, Isaac Wood, who is now coaching Salt Lake Community College, but was an assistant for BYU Track and Field, pointed him out to Ed Eystone. He's a student at BYU, and they added him, and now he's competing competing. competing in the national championships in the 800 meters. Shaquille Harrison was the last uh, BYU athlete to make the uh, NCAA championships in 2016 in that event. Talk about just a crazy story. A walk-on who wasn't even in the program uh, I think it was like two, maybe three months ago at the very, very longest. So Crazy story there. And then obviously obviously, Colton Yardley in the 400 meters. Casey Klinger in the 10,000 meters. Brandon Garnica also in the 10,000 meters. And the men's 4x100 relay featuring Easton Bianchi, Jared Davis, Dallin Draper, and Colton Yardley will be Competing for the men's team, which is ranked number four in the country. They have a huge opportunity to finish in the top 10 nationally. So, best of luck to the men's team. On the women's side, they've got Haley Folsom Walker competing in the heptathlon, Lexi Halliday, the 3,000 meter staple chase, Courtney Wayman also in the 3,000 meter steeple chase. She actually has been running the best in the entire country this year. She is a favorite to win the national title in that event. So, best of luck to her. Alex McAllister in the Javelin, and Ashton Reiner also in the Javelin, who has the longest throw in the NCAA this year, so she's a favorite to win the Javelin title if she she can compete well there. Claire Seymour will be competing in the 800 meters, Aubrey Frethenway in the 10,000 meters, Sierra Tidwell-Alfin in the high jump, and then Sable Sable Lohmeyer-Elbakri in the discus. That last name probably sounds familiar because she is married to former BYU defensive lineman Bracken-Elbakri. Sable actually set the program record in the discus just a couple of weeks ago at the Western Regionals. So, huge opportunity here for BYU men's and women's track and field. A top 10 finish for both of them is not out of the question. A top 5 finish would be absolutely stunning for both of these programs, but they're capable of it and we'll be rooting them on all weekend long. We'll do a full recap on our Monday edition of the show and catch you guys up on all of that. Alright, that is going to do it for this Thursday edition of the show. On tomorrow's podcast, we're going to talk Wyoming Cowboys football. Ooh, yeah! Go, go Cowboys! We're going to talk uh, with uh, Ryan um, Thorburn from uh, Wyoming up there. He's covering the Wyoming Cowboys as one of their beat writers. We'll talk with him about what to expect as the Wyoming Cowboys come to BYU in week four of the upcoming season. We'll have that for you guys on tomorrow's show. So thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Make sure you guys go make our, your second listen today. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. I was part of the round table this week. Actually, I two separate episodes. They are both available now, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Just search out Locked On Big 12 and you'll be able to find And it's also on YouTube as well. All right. That is going to do it for today's edition of the show. A huge thank you for you guys' support as always. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. And this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 9th, 2022. And we will talk to you guys soon. See ya.